I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi there and welcome to the Explaining History podcast and uh, we're going to do several podcasts uh, in the coming uh, weeks and months on uh, air power and Nazi Germany and the strategic thinking behind uh, the the Wehrmacht's use of uh, aircraft in the Second World War. Um, and we're hopefully going to uh, peel away a few myths uh, on the subject. Um, we're looking uh, once again at the bombing war by Richard Overy. Uh, if you'll recall, probably last year, it might have been a, the year before, that we did several podcasts looking at uh, British and American air policy uh, before um, and during the Second World War. So, some some basic kind of uh, conceptual ideas, I, I, I guess. Previously, we'd looked at the the idea that British and American air fleets were designed uh, to prevent to be able to take the war to the enemy without the the kind of the stalemate of the Western Front. So they were designed to make um, the trenches obsolete by uh, reaching. Um, the enemy's heartlands, bombing them and, and returning. So that meant that the, the development of large numbers of four-engine bombers that carried heavy payloads and were designed specifically for kind of urban uh, and industrial destruction um, were, um, were being uh, produced in, in large numbers. Um, but the American example, of course, being the uh, B-17A Flying Fortress um, that Roosevelt believed would be uh, mass-produced on such a scale that it would make the dictators of the world um, not dare to uh, challenge the, the kind of the liberal order represented by Britain and America. Roosevelt believed that um, even if America didn't join the war, it could simply uh, give or loan to a country like Great Britain fifteen to 20,000 bombers, and that would be the end of it. 
Well, Hitler's idea about um, air power was was very different. In some ways, the Blitz over London uh, and uh, other British cities uh, from September 1940 onwards is a real anomaly. It doesn't uh, fit in with the model of, of what German air power is for. Um, two engine bombers uh, that are good on the battlefield um, and good in uh, rap- the rapid movement of armies, as we'll see uh, pretty shortly, uh, weren't particularly um, suited to uh, bombing cities. They could cause a lot of devastation, but the devastation itself wasn't on a sufficient scale to be able to actually cripple the enemy. More, uh, it was, in the eyes of many historians, seen as a a terror weapon um, to uh, bring um, the uh, enemy to its knees or bring them to the negotiating table. Uh, In an interesting exchange that Hitler had with the Romanian ambassador in April 1939, he said um, in his uh, typically kind of uh, uh, angry, uh, shouting, ranting fashion that uh, if England wanted war, then it would have war and that English uh, cities would be devastated by uh, Germany's new and sophisticated uh, air weapons. But at the end, he said, but it seems pointless. He said, you know, this this is pointless because... We will both die under the same ruins. Um, And he agreed that the only person who a bombing war in the West would uh, would serve would be Stalin. So first what we're going to look at is the period that comes before even the Battle of Britain, um, the period from September 1939 to June 1940. Um, the fall of Poland, the Netherlands, the Low Countries, um, Scandinavia and France. And Richard Overy writes, For the first year of the war, the German Air Force conducted what was called Operational Air War, as it had been laid down in the guidelines for the conduct of air warfare drawn up by the Infant Force, um, the um, Infant Luftwaffe, in 1935, and issued in a revised version in 1940. Although the Air Force sought to distinguish air strategy from that of the Army and Navy by virtue of its exceptional mobility, flexibility and striking power, in practice German air strategy was linked closely to the ground campaign. Air forces were expected to defeat the enemy air force and its sources of supply and operation, sort of airfields and uh, fuel dumps to provide direct battlefield support for the army or navy against the enemy surface forces and to attack more distant targets several hundred kilometres from the front line which served the enemy air effort. These targets included energy supply, war production, food supply, imports, the transport network, military bases and centres of enemy morale and and residential centres which the air force regarded as a waste of strategic effort, but it did include provision for revenge attacks if an enemy bombed uh, civilian, German civilians. 
All operations except the last were designed to undermine the enemy's capacity to sustain frontline resistance. Operational air warfare contributed to the central aim of forcing the enemy's armed forces to give up the fight. In practice, the limits of German air technology, with heavy multi-engine bombers um, still at the developmental stage, meant that the air force was regarded principally as a powerful tool to unhinge the enemy front by using fighters to destroy the enemy air force, while twin-engine medium bombers, heavy fighters and dive bombers attack the enemy field formations and more distant economic and military targets. Okay, so that's the air force that you see in operation in um, Poland, in France uh, and in Scandinavia. But it's also the air force that you see trying to bring Britain to its knees uh, in the Battle of Britain where it has uh, a degree of success. But it's the air force that you see later on during the Blitz that it's relatively, it can cause a lot of damage, but it's relatively unsuited to the task at hand. The, the basic difference between uh, Allied and German strategies um, was the uh, notion of how long wars ideally should last for. Air power was designed, uh, in Germany's case, to win very, very quick lightning blitzkrieg wars. Um, the British um, and the Americans, particularly after the fall of France, both saw war as a kind of a, uh, a long-term process. The British way of waging war had always been to settle down, to hunker down for the long war to where the European enemy, normally the European enemy, uh, down at the periphery to strike at the edges of uh, a fortress Europe uh, and to then enlist the alliances with great powers such as uh, Russia during the Napoleonic Wars or and, and Austria or uh, Russia and America during the Second World War. Um, and eventually to to evade the continent and be part of a grand coalition. That was the way of doing it. So the idea of a long, drawn-out bomber offensive, such as the combined bombing offensive of 1943 to 44, um, or an ongoing continuous air war from 1940 onwards, this made much more sense. And for that you need large, um, heavy strategic bombers, four-engine bombers with heavy payloads that can um, fly in huge fleets to um, bring enemy cities um, to rebel and to downgrade the ability of the enemy to fight war. Germany traditionally had been uh, a a nation that um, had little choice but then to fight quick wars being a uh, central European power and being surrounded by enemies, a coalition of opponents um, on either side, or a long-drawn-out war of attrition, the likes of which Germany faced in 1914 to 1918, uh, is very difficult in the long run for Germany to win. Germany's very good at winning battles, but winning uh, drawn-out wars um it's, uh, it's it's difficult due to uh, resources and due to the 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 um the number of of borders that germany faces um and can easily be invaded through so um a 
a device, a um, aircraft like such as the uh, the Junkers Ju eighty eight, um, or the uh, other high, um, strategic uh, battlefield bombers such as uh, the Heinkel, um, that could move fast, that could um, uh, pinpoint particular bridges, trains, centres of manufacturing, um, aircraft hangars, that kind of thing, and knock out the enemy or um, destroy uh, enemy positions on the battlefield very quickly. That was hugely important um, in order to make sure that wars were won quickly and decisively. And in the first two years of the war, this is immensely uh, successful. So Richard Avery writes, The instructions for air support for the army issued in July 1939 acknowledged that air power could be exercised indirectly in support of the army by undermining the enemy supply and production and reducing war, the war willingness of the enemy nation. But it was uh, emphasised that the air force would be needed primarily to help speed up the movement of the army by attacking a wide number of targets, fixed or fleeting, or on just um, no, on or just behind the battlefield, which stood in the enemy's way. The decision to organise the air force in integrated air fleets each with its own component of bombers, fighters, dive bombers and reconnaissance aircraft, and each allocated to a particular army group, enhanced the flexible multitask character, multitask character of air warfare, but also tied the Air Force to a land campaign. The critical element in air-army cooperation was rightly seen to be effective communication between ground and air, and Air Force directives in 1939 and 1940 made something of a fetish of precisely describing links by radio or signal or liaison officer. So, uh, in a way here, you have uh, an Air Force which is an, an independent branch of the German military. It's not, uh, it's not the army, but it is so intimately tied with the ground operation that it almost acts as an auxiliary force to the ground forces, um, it's it doesn't have much of a point unless there is a ground invasion happening, which is unlike, say, for example, Britain's Bomber Command. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. 
So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The, uh, this, this joint effort was the core of Blitzkrieg. Um, and it was used to immense effect in really every German land campaign of the first two years of the war. Um, and certainly would have been used in England as well if German forces had got ashore in the autumn of 1940. There is almost no chance uh, that the Germans wouldn't have swept all before them in the uh, summer of 1940 if they'd have been able to, to land. Uh, that would, um, of course, have been predicated on uh, the destruction of the RAF by that point. With no air cover, there is that the, the British would... Uh, certainly have been uh, have been defeated. Richard Avery writes: It's difficult to reconcile the idea of a German air force tied flexibly, but surely to the land campaign, with the popular recollections of the German bombing of Warsaw in September 1939 and of the Ro- and of Rotterdam eight months later. Long before the onset of the Blitz, the Western world had come to assume that the German Air Force, for all its vaunted superiority of the German armies, was an instrument for perpetuating air terror, as it was widely believed to have done at Guernica in April 1937 during the Spanish Civil War. A British wartime account claimed that Germany's earlier bombing would go down in history as an outstanding example of depraved conduct, murder on a scale that Christendom had never before experienced. So powerful is the conventional view of German uh, of the German bombing atrocity, which helped to legitimate the heavy heavy bombing of German cities later in the war, that it's worth looking in greater detail at the story of German city bombing before the onset of the campaign against the British in September 1940. So, for example, which um, uh, in in this this analysis. Germany's aggression against Poland, which you know did begin in on the first of September, nineteen thirty-nine, was uh, the the kind of um, the continuation of um, uh, terror raids that we'd seen throughout the nineteen thirties. There had been uh, the uh, Japanese bombing of mainland China, particularly the bombing of Nanjing um, and Chongqing. Uh, there had been, uh, and Shanghai for that matter, there had been uh, the Italian gas bombing of uh, Abyssinian tribes uh, during uh, Mussolini's uh, invasion of Abyssinia. And of course there had been the, the German and Italian uh, terror bombing uh, in Spain during the Spanish Civil War. Um, and so uh, the, the, um, the bombing of Warsaw... It was a kind of like a, a continuance of that, and, and later the, the bombing of Rotterdam, uh, uh, as we shall see. Um, on the 1st of September, 397 aircraft of the Polish Air Force, including 154 obsolete bombers and 159 fighters, faced two German air fleets, Air Fleet 1 and uh, um, General Albert Kesselring, and Air Fleet 4 under Lieutenant General Alexander Lure, um, with a total of 1,581 aircraft, including 897 bombers and 439 fighters and fighter bombers. Polish combat aircraft were outnumbered by more than 4 to 1. 
Um, on the in the first three days of the campaign, waves of German bombers and dive bombers attacked airfields, railway centres, military depots, and radio stations. Um, and the Polish air force was rapidly overwhelmed, um, and resistance all but uh, disappeared. Um, half of the planes were lost in combat. Uh, and those that remained flew to bases in Romania rather than be shot down or captured. Um, and Romania is a, a kind of a, a route for um, Polish uh, airmen and um, servicemen uh, out of um, Europe and uh, to uh, Great Britain. From the 4th of September, um, the German air fleets were able also to concentrate attacks on communications uh, to slow down the Polish army um, as it tried to reform in the Polish interior. Between the 6th and the 13th September of September, air attacks spread out further east towards the Vistula River and the targets in um, Praga, um, the part of um, Warsaw on the far bank of the river. Um, so the the destruction of the um, information network in um, Poland of uh, telegraph lines, of roads, uh, of the means of passing on information, again, was a, a, a key uh, tactic for uh, bringing about chaos. And uh, as we see in, in the fall of France, uh, what eventually seems to kind of bring France to its knees is total and utter chaos that spread across the country, um, largely as a result of um, air power. Resistance was uh, light, but the military targets which um, Germany's aircraft were told to hit were obscured by smoke and haze and uh, suffered very little in the preliminary attacks. But the German armies that closed the ring around Warsaw um, and the nearby fortresses at Modlin, um, and the air forces then were ordered to bomb enemy troop concentrations in and around the city, but not attack the streaming columns of refugees on the roads leaving the Polish capital. On the 16th of September, the Polish commander in Warsaw was given six hours to surrender, and he refused, declaring the capital uh, to be a special military zone. Uh, and as a result, German planes dropped leaflets warning the population to leave. Warsaw was a defended city. Um, it was legitimate um, in the eyes of the Germans to um, use artillery uh, in the siege. And on the, on the 22nd of September, Hitler ordered the final liquidation of Polish resistance in Warsaw, including airstrikes on important military and economic targets, as well as buildings, um, housing, uh, military and political authorities. The German Foreign Office requested that the Air Force uh, make every effort to um, avoid damaging the Belvedere Palace, which was a, a stunning piece of uh, neoclassical architecture and very much to uh, Hitler's tastes and the kind of place that um, visiting dignitaries, including himself, would. Uh, he, he probably imagined that he would wind up staying there. Um, the, uh, there were efforts make and made as well to avoid harming any Soviet diplomats because, of course, um, Hitler and Stalin had only a month before signed a pact uh, that provided for the uh, division of, of Poland. The, um, on the 25th of September, 
there was uh, firebombing and uh, in the centre of, of Warsaw uh, in an attack where 632 tonnes of bombs, um, which was the largest bombing raid in the world up until that point, um, devastated the, the city centre and, and led to a, a large uh, loss of life. Um, and the, there was, of course, in these incidences, uh, friendly fire incidents where troops from Germany's third army were killed when German aircraft um, strayed too far into zones that were already occupied uh, by uh, by the Wehrmacht. And that would be a thing that would be seen throughout the war. And it was a, um, a particular um, failing uh, during the siege of Conn in 1944, where uh, Montgomery forgot to tell the RAF where the British starting line was, and so uh, the uh, the British bombed their own troops uh, by accident. So the air attacks on Warsaw were designed to speed up the capitulation uh, of um, Poland's armed forces defending the city, but they weren't designed to do anything any more than that. When Colonel Wolfram von Richthofen uh, who was the air leader for special tasks uh, and a veteran of the Guernica bombing campaign, requested annihilating attacks on the whole urban area. The German Air Force Chief of Staff Colonel um, General Hans Jesenek uh, said no. Um, the impression made on the Polish population and those foreigners unlucky enough to be caught in the path of the bombing was that there were the, the attacks were deliberately random. Um, a Polish doctor, Zygmunt Klukowski, um drove through Lublin on the 4th of September where he saw the first evidence of bombing. He wrote, The three, uh, three completely destroyed apartment buildings. Many buildings had broken windows and collapsed roofs. Five days later, he survived eight raids in uh, Lublin in one day. Practically everyone prayed around his diary. Some civilians were shaking with fright. Klukowski observed that he had experienced nothing quite like this in the First World War. Chaim Kaplan um, uh, described in his diary the hell in Warsaw, worse than Dante's description of the Inferno. Everyone ran to shelter in dark holes full of hysterical women. An unlucky strike um, hit the American ambassador's residence outside Warsaw on the 2nd of September. Uh, The gap between the uh, Air Force orders, which specified economic, military and administrative targets, and the reality on the ground reflected the overwhelming air power German forces were able to bring to bear. But above the, all the problems faced in achieving a high degree of accuracy, even when dive bombing from low altitude, a problem that characterised almost all bombing operations throughout the war, um, German post-operational research showed that two aircraft factories, at Mielisch and Lublin, uh, reported uh, by the pilots who bombed them as destroyed were untouched. The uh, and this would be a, a significant factor during the the Blitz as well, um, where the German reconnaissance post bombing reconnaissance aircraft uh, would make frequent mistakes, and Goering would come with armfuls of misleading data to Hitler to say, "Look, we've." brought the British to their knees, they're going to be capitulating soon, we've destroyed this, that and the other. And the reality uh, was that um, reports of uh, Britain's mass destruction were, were greatly exaggerated. Uh, 
So there we are. This is, a, a, again, I said it's the beginning to uh, our topic of um, looking at Germany's air war um, and particularly the, the bombing of, um, of Warsaw. If the bombing of Warsaw wasn't initially uh, for terror purposes, it achieved those aims anyway. If it was to bring, if it was to bring the capitulation of the army, then it achieved the the terrorization of the civilian population uh, as uh, a kind of a collateral extra, and something that, of course, uh, the the Nazis uh, would have been entirely happy with. Anyway, I hope you found that interesting, and I'll catch you on the next Explaining History podcast. Do remember to check in with our uh, Facebook group. Uh, with, there's a growing community there, and all sorts of interesting stuff is posted and that is shared there. And you can support the Explaining History podcast uh, by finding us on Patreon. Um, anyway, I hope uh, we'll catch up soon, and I'll be posting something else later in the week. All the best. Thanks. Bye-bye. 